Green Pastures are the weekly devotions published by Vineyard Boise, consisting of four parts, the reading, the reflection, the question, and the prayer. Green Pastures for Wednesday, November 15th. Ew. Today's scripture reading is found in Genesis 38, verses 1 through 11 from the message translation. And warning, this is not family friendly. About that time, Judah separated from his brothers and went to stay with a man in Adullam named Hira. While there, Judah met the daughter of a Canaanite named Shua. He married her. They went to bed, she became pregnant, and had a son named Ur. She got pregnant again and had a son named Onan. She had still another son. She named this one Shelah. They were living at Kazib when she had him. Judah got a wife for Ur, his firstborn. Her name was Tamar. But Judah's firstborn, Ur, grievously offended God, and God took his life. So Judah told Onan, Go sleep with your brother's widow. It's the duty of a brother-in-law to keep your brother's line alive. But Onan knew that the child wouldn't be his. So whenever he slept with his brother's widow, he spilled his semen on the ground so he wouldn't produce a child for his brother. God was much offended by what he did and also took his life. So Judah stepped in and told his daughter-in-law Tamar, Live as a widow at home with your father until my son Sheila grows up. He was worried that Sheila would also end up dead, just like his brothers. So Tamar went to live with her father. And yes, this is God's word. So sorry for that. And no, this is still not family-friendly, so be advised, ye parents with wee ones listening in. And yes, once again, this is a lousy devotional. Any devotional that includes the phrase, spilled his semen on the ground, is a lousy devotional. Now we all want to go wash our clothes, bathe, and then be unclean until evening. Ew. Didn't we just read this as we finished up our previous study last week in Philippians, where Paul wrote, Summing it all up, friends, I'd say you do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. Manifestly, Genesis 38 is not that. It's none of that. True, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, the beautiful, the praiseworthy? Nope, none of it. No, this is the worst, the ugly, and the cursed. So much so that God eliminates the two initial perpetrators of the worst, the ugly, and the cursed. And there stands the stately palm, yet swaying in the divine breeze, though now twice widowed, and on her way to becoming the widow in yet future Sadducean prophet scenario of the woman widowed seven times over. Father Judah isn't willing to test that scenario and thus leaves the stately palm swaying right where she is in limbo. With his third son, of course, never quite being old enough to marry her. Why this story? Why here? Why at all in this holy book? 
I would venture at least for this reason. Because the Messiah springs from the mess of us, not the best of us, not the noble and honorable and virtuous. God's work is always done in human soil, unrefined, dirty human soil. His is a messy spirituality, or it is no spirituality at all. And though this story of messy spirituality seems at an impasse with Tamar, the stately palm, potted and removed from the stage, she has no intention of passively withering away in her potted exile. This stately palm stirs, this overarching grace bends back into the story in a way no one, especially her father-in-law Judah, could see coming. And in so doing, the divine bends into a very sordid tale in a way none of us would ever imagine, let alone condone. So, as we pause for a moment of personal reflection and prayer, ponder. Even if it was written in Scripture long ago, you can be sure it's written for us. God wants the combination of his steady, constant calling and warm personal counsel in Scripture to come to characterize us, keeping us alert for whatever he will do next. So reads Romans 15.4 in the Message Translation. How could this possibly be true of this story and of other stories like it? Once again, what do we do? with unsavory and sordid tales like this. Lord, how easy it is to stop at the headline featuring in biblical lore, too often, manly men dominating the show. Lead me beyond such headlines writ large and bold to the hidden figures in the byline, in the fine print, without whom the story would never have been told. Nor we here to tell it, or to hear it, or to live it. Tamar, Rechav, Ruth, Bathsheba, Miriam. Help me not to brush by them or their stories, no matter how unsavory or scandalous the details at times, as they frequently weather the abuse and domination of an all-too-often-heavy and abusive male hand, rising up as true mothers in Israel, rising to rock the cradle of the world, the new heavens and the new earth in which justice and mercy meet through the one born in Bethlehem on one starry, starry night. Through your mercies. <laughs>